Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of our little community. You can check us out on Facebook. There is a Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. And if you really want to get involved, we have the Cool Things Project, which is the group coaching program, which has really become like a little mini mastermind of a handful of people who are really trying to find ways to do cooler things in their careers. And what's most interesting about that group is I thought it was going to be a lot of people who were solopreneurs or early stage entrepreneurs, but we have college professors, we have people who work in business, we have people who have sort of a side hustle going on. It is an interesting, eclectic group of people who are there to support each other and just talk about what we can do to take our businesses to the next level. If you want to find out more about that, just go to TomSinger.com, go to the About button, and below that there's going to be a a button that says uh, Group Coaching Program. You'll find out all the information you, you need to join right there. So as you know, if you listen to this show regularly, last week I did an interview live from the National Speakers Association annual conference, and I really didn't think about it. I had my microphone with me. I probably should have done 20 of these interviews because the interview, uh, the last show with Manly Feinberg was great. And and right there in front of me, I had some of the, the greatest thought leaders in the country, some of my friends who work as professional speakers and and other people who, who use the spoken word to create their careers and get their message out there. And on the plane home, I made a list of who should I have interviewed that this audience really needed to hear from. And on the top of the list was John Petz. Now, John Petz is a friend of mine and probably pretty close competitor of mine in the fact that we both are motivational keynote speakers. We specialize in doing the opening keynote to kick off an event, although the way we do it is very different. So we're not really competitors per se, as much as we are very similar in who our clients are. We both also have the skill of serving as a master of ceremonies, which we can talk a little bit about during the interview, isn't something that every speaker can do, and it's certainly not something every speaker wants to do. But anyway, I thought John would be a great guest because John has so much insight and so many things to share, and he's really a person who has just taken a machete and carved his own path in the world, and I know that that's what many of the listeners of this show either are doing or aspire to do. So John Petz, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I love the machete reference. It's, uh, it's, it's true because you cut your way different ways every different day. Uh, and you don't know where you're going sometimes, but it's an exciting uh, thrill nonetheless. Well, and if we lined up, you know, 10 or 12 of our friends who were professional speakers and we said, how did you get here? You would see 10 or 12 different paths of how people got to this level of success. So there's not one way to get through this jungle. No, not at all. And I don't think any of us, well, maybe, maybe very few of us would have said, hey, what's your plan? I think I'm going to be a a motivational keynote speaker. I don't think I would have uttered those words 20 years ago. I probably wouldn't have. Well, and there wasn't like motivational speaking 101 was not actually a class that was uh, ever taught. You know, people always used to say, Tom, you talk too much. Nobody said, and you can monetize that. So true. You're right. Hey, so John. Listen to you because you're right. (laughs) People should listen because I am. I'm right more than, than they know. Hey, John. I yeah. gave kind of this brief overview of who is John Petz and what do you do, but your business is more complex. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do? 
No, certainly. I mean, I think we all have complexities. In the simplest of forms, I spend probably 80% of my time as an opening keynote speaker, motivational speaker, call it what you will, for a lot of association, industry groups, or corporate organizations, whether it be their sales incentive trip, their kickoff, or their all-employee associate meeting. Um, but I want to always bring that uh, energy, the engagement, and kind of rekindle the passion for what people do, how they do it, and most importantly, of course, why they do it. Done so in very, uh, very high energy and also very entertaining way also. So you have actually uh, worked for a lot of pretty cool types of companies. Why don't you tell everybody kind of some examples of who you've worked for? The ego list? You want to like uh, – Yeah, uh, the John Pets ego list. Oh, exactly. Uh, ego list. Uh, from, you know, Fortune 5 to, I mean, the Microsoft, the IBMs, the Fords, the Walmarts, uh, down to, you know, a bunch of associations that you'd never think were a real association. I mean, it – I don't think there's a difference in how you approach your clients. I think that's important for people to know. But, you know, you approach them the same way. But it is cool to get some uh, neat logos behind your name to show the credibility of, of what you've done and the professionalism and results from what you do as well. So, John, we were joking about the fact that there's so many different paths and nobody, you know, gets out of high school and says, I'm going to, well, some people, but most of us don't say, I'm going to be a motivational speaker for a living. So what did you do after college? I actually, we've been friends a long time. I don't know that I actually have a clue of what you did originally. No. No, well, uh, that's a, it's a, such a great story, and I will, I'll, I'll paraphrase and shorten as much as I can. While in college, I actually knocked on doors and I sold MCI. And for those who don't know what that is, MCI was a telecommunication provider. We sold long distance. This is back in the day when people had to dial one to make a long distance call. And maybe half of your listeners don't have any idea what I'm talking about when I say that, Tom. <laughs> but, um, you know, because of that, I guess that was the first entrepreneurial little bug that I had, you know, and it was a tough gig, but I got paid when I, you know, made, made a deal and got paid when every month when they used the phone. But as college kids, man, they moved every year. So it was like if you had to start over every time. So uh, at a, a school, I did telecommunications, and I went to a small star, software startup and then actually worked at MCI as a national account exec for multiple years. Uh, I guess the interesting element is uh, performer as a kid was a magician doing little kitty tricks back in the day, but I never gave it up. And I actually left MCI, and I toured professionally as a comedy magician. Uh, I got some good credits, you know, did the Vegas scene for a while, and I survived. Uh, I didn't kill it, but... It was a great experience and got to learn a tremendous amount about being in front of an audience and working with an audience and engaging an audience in unique and, and entertaining ways. Well, and it's um, so interesting because one of the first times that we met at a conference like five years ago, I had my then 15, 14, 15-year-old daughter with me, and we were sitting in the bar because I've never had a problem letting my kid <laughs> come to the bar. Some of our friends like scowled at me because I'd let my 15-year-old come sit at the bar, but she loved to hear people talk about business. And so it was like, well, come with me you know, as long as you don't bother anybody. And some people are, oh, you can't have a 15-year-old sitting here because then we can't talk freely. <laughs> I mean, she picked up so much about business. I mean, she'll tell you now she's a business major at Carnegie Mellon, and she'll tell you that you know her love of business started sitting there listening to our friends talk about how they started their companies and their careers. And I remember we were sitting there, and she was just listening. And out of the blue, you turned to her and engaged her, and you turned a $1 bill into a $100 bill. And... 
People tend to like that one. Yeah, she was to this day. She talks about that. So you know, really. and 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 it's funny because she's done a really good job of turning my hundred dollar bills into one dollar bills. So, no, no, email and that'll happen. That's right. That's right. The money just keeps going out. But uh, you know, your ability to engage someone one on one came from being as a magician, and then also to be able to perform. You know, when it's showtime, that yeah. is something that you take into your speaking career. That's a big part of what I talk about, you know, creating the showtime moments and the, what it really means to people in our real world life is we have the opportunities that we may never know of ahead of time where we're suddenly cast into the spotlight. And you have the opportunity to own that moment, to make it unique, to make it special and memorable as opposed to simply meeting an expectation and being, you know, cast aside as a blender or average. Not to say those people aren't uh, unique and special, but if you want to own the moment, you really got to create those uh, memorable moments. So, so it you, is showtime. You toured for a while as a magician, and, and you, you played some good venues, but then somewhere along the line, you said, I'm going to take this and, and go corporate as, as, a, as a speaker and a master of ceremonies. What caused you to take that turn and actually build, build this business that you have today? <laughs> well, I, w- I was getting married. I needed a real job. That's what made me take the turn. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to be a traveling magician. Yeah, it just wasn't cutting it, you know? <laughs> so, no, I, I ended up in the dot-com world in the sales environment and then uh, ended up when the dot-com kind of tanked. I had, I was a, I had the, the cush job. I had the corner office, vice president of sales, 250 sales reps, 52 offices. I managed country club membership, company Mercedes, and a golden handcuffs, man. I was, you know, I was tied down by the man. And uh, I, I used a lot of kind of the entertainment stuff, and I was doing sales training, so I kind of combined them. And that's also where the, the concepts and notions for the first book, Boring Meeting Suck, came to be. I <laughs> uh, wrote, wrote that book and was doing effective meeting skills training and sales training. And honestly, I just had some other people start to ask me if I could do it for their company. And, uh, you know, probably a year later, I mean, I had – entrepreneurs will get this. You know, I had lost – passion. I had lost a heart for what I was in there doing. And you know, when you go to a job and you're just not into it, it's hard. It made it real hard. And I decided, you know, you know one year old and a three year old daughter at home and I I cut the ties. I gave myself six months to go out on my own and see what I could do. And that's uh that's been over twelve years ago now. So what do you love about the life that you've created as as the guy, you know, carving its own path? What do you love about it? Oh gosh. Uh what do I love? Independence number one. I I'm very busy, but I can choose to be busy or not to be busy. Uh, I love that I can get my kids on the school bus. I can be there when they get home on certain days. Now, we travel quite a bit, so it's not every day, but that's it's a choice of mine. I love that I can probably go out and earn what I want. If I wanted to work 300 days a year, I could probably do it. I like to work a whole lot less and take a month off in the summer, a month off in December, January, and enjoy and, and be happy and grateful for what I have. Never losing sight of goals, but you know, having having the life that I choose to have. So, do you ever have those days where you think, "Wait a minute, what have I done? If I had stayed in the tech world and had been a sales manager, and I had the country club and the Mercedes and, and all the perks, that would be a pretty good life too." Do, do you ever have bad days? Do I have bad days? Of course. Uh, do I have bad days? I mean, I even have the, the very first startup I was with, the first one out of school. There was uh, one of the guys. 
that I still keep in touch with. And we had a choice of either moving to Tulsa and keeping our jobs, or there was this little company called UUNet that needed a couple of first salespeople. Now, I went to Tulsa and then bailed out of the company six months later. But the guy that stayed with UUNet got bought and sold so many different times. He got stock options out the wazoo, and he's you know retired, and he's my age and doing great. So <laughs> sometimes I think back and be like, what if? But I have the best job in the world right now. I totally do. So what advice do you have for people? Like you said, I mean, sometimes you're just driving to work and you've just lost the passion. You just know you're just going through the motions. And, and I think a lot of people who listen to this show can relate to that. So if someone's listening and they're like, John, you're, you're talking to me, you're talking about me. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to make that leap and start their own thing? And Tom, this is a, there's a whole conversation on this and many different paths. I think, and I've even reminded this from the stage, you know, people have to discover or rediscover, I think, their purpose. You got to figure out why you're doing it. And if your why doesn't, you know, isn't consistent with where that company is going and where your job is going, then you need to potentially look at options. But you got to do so in a smart way. Uh, I get the question a lot. and I bet you too, like, hey, I think I want to leave my job and go do this. I'm like, keep your job. Keep, please keep it because there's all these things you have to consider and bailing out of that W-2 income, possible benefits, 401k, disability insurance, life insurance. You don't take all those things in consideration. So I would, uh, I literally almost started a whole program and, and training thing on how to leave your day job because there are so many things you need to do. So what advice, baby step it, do as much as you can on freelance, on the side, Build up that credibility, the clients, so when you do make the cut, you at least can maybe be breaking even or at least have some income coming in the door and it's not just a completely clean break and always uh, keep the relationships. Don't burn the bridge. Don't be that idiot that just says, hey, you know what? I'm out of here and, and go stuff it because it's going to come back. They're going to be my, – my old bosses are my clients today. True story. Every one of them. Well, I think that's I think that's a, is extremely true, and, and that kind of leads into the next question: is if you're going to go out on your own, how important is your network? Oh wow, uh, extremely, and I think your networking is different when you're at different levels of your business. I think when I started networking was, you know, I always if this is related to the speaking business, I would say, but you know, go to the the chamber and the Kiwanis and the Rotaries and do those speeches that get you a free lunch to meet the smaller business owners and to meet some folks who could be your first clients. And once you get those clients, then you're starting into the, the more black tie events where you're spending a thousand dollars a plate to go meet folks and greet folks. And, uh, I think it's an ongoing process in terms of personal networking and Tom and I, we just did networking ourselves at the speakers conference. But one thing that uh, you could probably talk to a great deal more than I is even the online networking. I don't do the best job personally at, at LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, but there is the key networking element of, I think, our time and into the future. So, you know, we just came back from this conference where there was, I don't know, a little under 2,000 professional speakers, yet I meet people all the time who are in our profession or really any profession. And when I talk about, do you participate in your trade associations? big national conference, people always go, oh, no, I don't do that. I've never been or I went once and I, I didn't, you know, didn't like it. Why do you think it's important to be involved? Because you're very involved. You know, you were the, the chair of the winter conference last year for the National Speakers Association. Why do you think it's important to be involved with your trade association? I think it's a great opportunity to add value to your job, uh, meaning if you're in a situation and you do want to make that lateral move or upward move, 
you need to know, other people need to know that you're successful in what you're doing. And if you don't kind of show yourself off, that kind of came out wrong. If you're not out networking and showing what you're doing at your current job, I think you're missing that opportunity. Uh, and, I mean, I'm a member of Meeting Professionals International. I learn about the industry that I service. I mean, I've produced events and planned events, and I want to know what people's challenges are. I want to know what the industry's doing on a on a good basis, on a legislation legislative basis, so that we can can be relevant. I guess is the word. The more relevance and topical and current we are on everything related to what we do in our industries we serve, the better. How do you do that? You're reading about it and you're talking to people. So it's interesting you bring up that you're also a member of Meeting Professionals International, as am I. And yet I think very few of our peers have embraced the fact that being a speaker makes you part of a bigger industry, which is the meetings industry. So why are you involved with MPI? Why? I, you know, I'm actually a meeting planner at the same time. And Tom knows this. I mean, there's several annual events that I, that I produce, uh, some fundraising, some corporate, some industry stuff. Um, but to learn, I mean, from literally budgeting to planning to logistics, I mean, the core, the core elements of being a meeting planner is good, but uh, obviously meeting the right people, of course, the networking side, but staying relevant. I, I, I want to know what the, pre, the people hiring me, I want to know what their challenges are because what's my goal is to make their job easy. I want them to have an easy access to me and be the easiest part of their whole conference. So I want to know what they're dealing with. Because that's one of the biggest reasons. Right. And that's, I mean, the reason I participate is, is that, like I said, I, I think if I was a plumber, I would be a member of the National Plumbers Association. And, sure. you know, I look at being a speaker as just a subset of a bigger industry. And so I look at it the same way as I want to be around people who are doing things that, you know, impact meetings. Plus, by, you know, being involved, attending their conferences and reading stuff in their magazine and, and things, I actually feel like I understand my client better because meeting planners are some of the most overworked people I've ever met. I always tell people in other industries, if you want to hire somebody with a great work ethic, hire someone who was a meeting planner because they know what it is to have to go the extra mile and roll up their sleeves and, and get things done no matter what happens. Like you can teach them your industry, but you can't teach that kind of work ethic. No, you're so right. I mean, they're overworked and they're under underappreciated. People think they're you know party planners. <laughs> uh, yeah, the business element that goes behind it is so true. Absolutely. So, so John, I have some more questions for you. Yeah. But, but before I do, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing way cool people like John Petz. If you (laughs) want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, Go to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer they have to the listeners of this show. And I know people do it because they tell me that they've picked up new clients from listeners to this show. So, you know, email them, call them, let them know you're interested. They'll have a conversation with you and just help talk you through what's involved, whether you're going to work with them or not. They're like one of the best vendors I've ever worked with. And so I appreciate the fact that they sponsor this show. That is cool. You need to add voiceover talent part of your roster. I was, I was basically done. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a little bit of voiceover, but I've never figured out how to pursue it. So I started a podcast, so I wrote that down. I got I to gotta get on it. <laughs> hey, so John, I call the yeah. show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, 
We want to know what is the coolest thing you're doing right now with your business. You know, I, you sent that to me ahead of time, and I was looking for that cool answer. And I don't have a cool answer, but I have a real answer. Uh, you know, I've been grateful to be busy for many years, and my fear as an entrepreneur was, you know, what happens if it, if it trails off? What happens if it starts to go down? And what I'm starting to do again is write. That's not very sexy and cool, though, Tom. I mean, I, I'm starting to write again. I guess maybe the other element that I'm going to do is do a whole lot more YouTube and do a lot more on my YouTube channel so that what I do write, I can also do uh, visually and share in a, in a, you know, a fun way. So that's, that's not too cool, though, is it, Tom? No. That's not what you're looking for. No, I think writing is cool. And I think, you know, I look back, my blog was a big part of launching this business, and it, it gave me a lot of credibility. I had started it long before I went full-time as a speaker. So when I when I started and I'd send people articles from my blog, I would have meeting planners go, wow, you've been blogging for five years. Now I think it's 12 years. And that was a big thing. And I started this weekly series on my blog called Cool Things My Friends Do. And I just would blog about things people I know did. And that's what led to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do as a podcast was it was sort of the next shoot. But the problem was is that the podcast became you know such a big deal for my career and for my, my skill set and just I really like doing it that I stopped writing and so you've inspired me I should start writing more. Well, I think we all do. We all got to you know keep relevant, and keep on top of things. But there's so much out there, so much noise. It's it's getting through that noise and, and getting found is always a challenge. Yeah, and it's noisier than 12 years ago. You could write an article, link it to Twitter, and all kinds of people would click on it and go read it. Now you put something on Twitter and you get zero clicks because it's just noise, 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 noise. Incredible. Hey, so we could talk about John Petz and all the cool things that you do as this you know, opening keynote speaker and master of ceremonies and all the business you steal from me. No, that's not actually true. But, uh, <laughs> we share business. We actually – we refer each other a lot. So, And I've never – I don't think I've ever gone head-to-head with you over a piece of business. That's a, that's a misnomer people in our business think is, oh, I don't want to be friends with other speakers because they're my competitors. It's like you're like the most competitor I have, and I, I think we've just referred each other in the following year. I don't think we've actually been like, it's between Tom and John. No, but if it was, no matter what they decide, they'd get a center. That's right. They couldn't lose. If, if, in fact, I think everybody out there should do that. Just put John and I on the short list to be your opening <laughs> keynote and your MC, and whichever you pick, you win. I'll help them louder, better, and it's more. That's what I'll do for them. So, so, John, I think we could talk about you forever, but I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask the people on the show, who do you see out there who's an entrepreneur who, who's doing something incredible? You know, I was reminded of this back uh, back to the speakers conference, and I've been friends with Jay Bear for a while. I think he does a, a very amazing thing. He's a, a media company uh, in terms of how he creates his content, how he shares the content from YouTube to Twitter to blogs to his. I mean, he's got a, a large company, but I, I like the way he approaches it. As people want to consume your content, your thoughts in a variety of ways, and being able to deliver it in every fashionable way is a key thing now. And I think that's cool. I think what it comes down to is doing the work. And, you know, we work our tails off, but are we doing the right productive work on a daily basis to continue to build and grow our network and our business? And I think that's uh, very cool how he does that with every medium element. Well, and a couple things about Jay Bear is he earned the CSP, the Certified Speaking Professional designation, which both you and I have. He earned it this year at the conference and was rocking a purple plaid suit. When he got yes, it. he was. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think I could pull off a purple plaid suit, but that guy rocked it when he went across the stage and got his CSP. <laughs> and and then the other thing was, is that you and I had the honor of being invited to sort of a, a private dinner with about 12 people. And that was awesome. That was yeah. r- really awesome. And Jay was one of the other people. And I know him and he and I have a mutual friend, Tim Hayden, who uh, actually Tim Hayden just moved back to Austin. And I didn't even know that. Jay Bear told me at dinner uh, the other night. But we have this mutual friend, so I know who Jay is and I've talked to him before at the National Speakers Association. But at that dinner, getting to hear his story and his background and just seeing what just what a good guy he is, you, you made a good choice in, in picking him for that question. Would love to do more like him. Uh, me too. So, John. Yeah. The other thing, in addition to being a good observer, I think entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. So I love to ask the people on the show, what, what do you do to give back to the greater good? No, well, it's a topic near to my heart. Uh, and you probably know this, but all the details of it. You know, in uh, the latest book, Significance and Simple Moments, is a story of how this came to be. I produced an event and, uh, you know, have a foundation called Miracles and Magic, which was based on uh, – an experience I had at Nationwide Children's Hospital in which I had a chance to perform for a child and very, very shortly thereafter, meaning eight hours after the, the child passed. Um, but be, through that, through that challenge and opportunity, I started a program and it was basically a, a, a magic show, if we can call it that. And it's, uh, it, it started in a little local high school theater and now it grew to you know three cities, and we bring in the top magicians and variety entertainers from around the world. But the whole purpose was to give children in a life-threatened uh, condition a chance to forget about the chemotherapy, forget about the hospital, the beds, the shots, and come experience a day of wonderment, comedy, and laughter, and enjoy the magic. And uh, that that's a big thing that that I do and believe in. And we've raised about one point five million dollars. All the profits from the new book go directly to that. So it's a uh, it's been a really neat thing, and I think we all need to harness, uh, maybe not necessarily starting something ourselves, but get involved. You mentioned networking. Uh, work towards getting on the board of a nonprofit because the folks that you can meet and what you can learn and what you can do for your community is uh, is amazing. Well, and you've heard me talk before about my my concept of compounded generosity, which is you don't have to be rich to impact a charity. You just, you just have to do little things consistently. And by producing an event year over year, imagine over a lifetime what that adds up to. Uh, you know, We've done it with the two endowments we've started at Children's Hospital. I give a little part of every one of my speech, speaking fees, and it's $100 there, $50 there, $200 there. But over eight or 10 years, it's $60,000. Well, that's, that's real impacting money for the research for kids born with cranial facial abnormalities, which is a, a cause dear to our heart because of w- the right. way uh, what Kate went through, my daughter, when she was born. And, you know, I think that w- people like you and I, w- we have the ability to share this message with people, to, to spread that message that you don't have to be rich to impact a charity. You just have to do something and do it consistently. And it's not just money. Sometimes it's good vibes and support, and sometimes it's volunteering. But finding a cause that you can support over the long haul – I think that's amazing. So thank you for what you do. No, and I, everyone should know that your simplest of actions could create the most significance that you'd have no idea the effects it'll have long-term. So John Petz, if someone's listening to this and they think, I, I have to know more about John Petz, this guy's pretty cool. Where do they find you? I didn't come off too cool. I, I did have a cool answer. <laughs> Where can they find uh, I'm easy, uh, johnpetz.com. It's J-O-N-P-E-T-Z.com. They want to check out the book. We didn't talk about the first one that took me around the world. That was Boring Meetings Suck. 
Uh, there's uh, your, your secret tips and tricks to get out of meetings without getting fired. But that's boringmeetingsuck.com. See, and I think that's such a great concept because it, I, we've all been to meetings that are boring and we know that they suck. And yet, you know, everybody who's listening is on the drive to work today knows that they're going to get called into a meeting that's going to be boring and it's going to suck. So I think, right. I think you're onto something there. And, and apparently it worked because you've been doing it for 12 years. I've had fun. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to John Petz for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate the people who come on the show and share their knowledge and their wisdom and, and just their, their good heart with the people who are part of this little community. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as John. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>